This week's podcast is brought to you by Detective Dot and Full Fabric. For those of you who know Code Club, that's pretty much everyone, Sophie Dean was one of the first employees of the Code Club team. Now she's launching an amazing book you should know about and an inspiration for your little ones to be coders and creators this Christmas. The main character is Detective Dot, a nine-year-old coder and agent for the Children's Intelligence Agency. It's a story for kids eight and over, where readers receive a top-secret personalised CIA membership pack in the post, filled with special missions and goodies. In the stories, you should expect to find farting selfie sticks, micro-pigs on hoverboards, and the most high-tech children's spy agency in the world. To celebrate the holidays, EdTech podcast listeners get an awesome 15% discount with the code PODCASTROCK. You can head to detectivedot.org to discover more. And having seen the book, the main character and the general ethos of the Detective Dot mission, I highly recommend you do so. Some more news and offers from Full Fabric later on in the show. everyone and welcome to the EdTech podcast. This is the podcast which brings together everyone involved in education innovation. Before we get started this week, a few things. First up, if you haven't already heard, the guys at Nesta are collaborating with Oliver Beach to bring you Rocket Fund, an online fundraising platform for schools, on a mission to enable teachers to innovate in their classroom. Current projects range from silk painting equipment to Lego Mindstorms and VR headsets. They are currently in pilot phase, announcing results at BET. But if you'd like to support a classroom project or join the waiting list to use the platform as a teacher, go to www.rocket.fund. Next in the queue, if you're a school teacher or leader, you may still be able to sign up last minute to the 2017 Computing Celebration event to demonstrate your computing project success if you're based in London. There is a link in the show notes or you can follow hashtag IslingtonComp on Twitter. And finally, I have it on good merit that the main findings from the EdTech Challenger Gov workshop will be freely available on Monday 19th of December, so those to be shared with you in next week's episode if you're listening to this straight away. Now, this week we've got the second of a two-part series on Web Summit. In this episode, we hear from the founder of Cubo Robot, the winning startup of the entire Web Summit pitch competition, on their startup which teaches coding without any screens. Plus, Nepalese startup Career Disha Nepal on career counselling for the young demographic of Nepal, the Keen Collective from Amsterdam on creating an Airbnb for learning, and heads up, there's some fantastic expletives during that interview, Volu from London on high-quality volunteering to patch the skills gap, Amalingua on fast-paced language learning from Russia via Edinburgh, and Lime Rocket of Australia on interactive gaming for university admissions departments. If this is the first podcast you're listening to in the Web Summit series, make sure you go back and check out the others with interviews from UNHCR on education for those with refugee status, plus Kamesh Flynn of the Western Cape Government of South Africa on making the impact at early years. Web Summit was a huge event with over 50,000 attending and it was wonderful to pick out the EdTech innovation put forward during the week we found out Donald Trump was president. If you like what you hear, don't forget you can subscribe on any of your favourite podcast listening apps and leave a review. Um, Okay, cool. So, what's your name? My name is Tommy Hudson. Okay, and what's your company? Kubo Robot. And where are you from? We are from Odense in Denmark. Great. And what brings you to Web Summit? We are here to, uh, first of all, uh, find new uh, partnerships and people that we can connect with from uh, different countries that can help us to uh, establish uh, sales channels uh, find good network in uh, different schools uh, in different countries and um, we have a stand uh, where we are uh, standing all day uh, today and we participate in the pitch also to uh, create some awareness uh, around Kubo. And Kubo, what, what do you do in a nutshell? We teach children to program in uh, kindergarten and primary school and we do it without the use of a, a screen, that means tablet or computer. So we took all the stuff that you normally see on the screen, all the elements, and we put them out on the table. 
uh, in form of uh, small uh, plastic cards, uh, small squared plastic cards with a radio antenna in it, RFID, and uh, the robot can then read these different cards. Interesting. So then the robot sort of is mobile or, you know, enacts and visualizes, you know, what the programming uh, instructions have been. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a very long sentence. And, um, you know, who are you aimed at? So I'm trying to get a sense of, of the people that are surrounding you here in this education part. Um, are they mostly for primary schools? Are they for secondary schools? Are they for higher education? Um, so who, who's, who's your main audience group? Our main audience is uh, kids from uh, 5 to 10. Uh, and the people that we meet here is uh, everything from uh, teachers to... Well, in general, we experience that most people that have kids somehow in their life understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. They understand that kids will uh, have a job in the future mm -hmm. where they will work in close uh, collaboration uh, with technology. Yeah. And that it's important that they understand how technology works. And you were just telling me about your pitch yesterday, so can you tell me a, a bit again on, on uh, yes. the microphone? Uh, we signed up to participate in the pitch um, and I went on the stage uh, yesterday, I think there were maybe 50-70 people and uh, the mic didn't work when I uh, started and the slideshow, uh, I turned it off instead of uh, changing the slides and uh, I thought it was a terrible pitch um, and each, uh, we, we pitch in groups of six but uh, somehow I uh, won the pitch anyway so now I have to go and uh, repeat, uh, but hopefully I will do it better today. And so what's the end of that pitching process? So, you know, if you're successful in this round, is it about investment or...? I know that the, 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 this is the semi-final, I think, uh, or it's the quarter, I don't know. But at, at, at the final, you will have the opportunity to stand in front of, uh, I don't know, 50,000 uh, Web Summit uh, attendees and pitch your product. Ah, so that's at the end in the main... In the main area. stage. Very cool. Um, who's your biggest influence? My biggest influencer in uh, the term of uh, Kubo. Just, just generally, either personally that, you know, made you go on this journey or in education or, you know, some of the people that have made you kind of think uh, quite deeply about what you believe in. Um, Kubo started as a... Uh, university project and one of the the people that influenced my thinking is a, a educational uh, theory, theorician, a theorist and um, his name is uh, Seymour Peppert. It comes up so often. Yeah. I guess so. But if I should then try to add another one, uh, uh, if uh, Seymour Peppert, most people know him within education, another one is Jerome Bruner. And uh, he's also a constructionist uh, thinker, yep. like uh, Pabot and uh, Piaget and so on. But he, he kind of uh, put uh, learning into three categories, uh, text-based, image-based and activity-based. And if you think about uh, technology, you can see uh, the normal laptop with the keyboard as very text-based uh, learning. You have the tablet with all the icons and images as image-based learning. And uh, activity-based learning is when you engage uh, in a physical space and you have a lot of feedback. And uh, that's where robot uh, robotics fit very well. Interesting. And how can people get hold of you? So if they're listening today, they think it's interesting. Um, I suppose the first question is, who would you like to collaborate with? So if people are listening in, and then how can they get hold of you as well? Right now we uh, are open to, to build relationship with uh, people within the edtech uh, sector all over the world. So basically anybody who has a network that can help uh, expand the reach of Kubu is in our interest. But also um, we are interested in uh, talking with schools, uh, first movers among teachers that want to, to be a part of the, the first that actually used Kubu in a classroom. Um, yeah. Okay, and the so way they can get in touch at the moment is uh, uh, through our uh, web page where they can uh, either write to us or sign up for our newsletter and the upcoming uh, Indiegogo campaign. Ah, okay. And uh, 
what uh, here have you seen in terms of ed tech or education trends that you think are relevant for those listening in? Um, I see that um, a lot of uh, ed tech, the ed tech trend at the moment is, in, in my uh, opinion, very much focused on delivering uh, education or learning. So it's more like management systems that optimize the whole learning process. And I think uh, we differ a bit from that. So we focus very much on the pedagogical value, the didactical values. So we look very much on learning outcome instead of uh, time spent delivering teaching. Okay, so less sort of um, VLE and more actual engagement of students. Yes. Which is quite interesting. Okay, fantastic. Well, good luck with your pitch. I hope it goes as badly as yesterday in the sense that you go through. <laughs> I and hope so. uh, Not. maybe see you this evening as well. Definitely. Thank you. Okay, so I found my way to the education and philanthropy for social good area of the event. Uh, so um, that's not to say that the other areas aren't for social good. Okay, so what's your name? Uh, my name is Inge, Inge Patch. Okay. Uh, my Nepali name is Ganga. Oh, okay. And where are you from? I'm originally from Austria, but I live and work since four years now in Nepal. Okay, and tell me the name of your company and what you do. Um, our company is called Career Edition Nepal. We are a social business startup and we are Nepal's first holistic career counseling project. So we try to enlighten young people in terms of their future career okay. and provide them with tools they require to make more uh, fact-based decisions on their future career and their education and their dream job. And what educational problem do you solve? Mm. Most of the Nepalis are extremely young, so like 34% of the population is below 14 and many of them are the first one to be educated at all. So this means their parents are, many of them, subsistential farmers. They don't have an insight in neither the job market, what is a lab technician doing, nor the educational market. On the other hand, Nepal's education is extremely expensive, so uh, doing a bachelor costs between 2,000 and 10,000 US dollar, or even more if you go into really high-end. So making the right decision is, is very essential for them, and very often they're making the decision without having really access to the information they require. Um, that's one problem we try to solve, providing more information to families in Nepal. Another problem we try to solve is that uh, everybody in Nepal wants to become doctor, engineer, the high-ranking jobs. On the other hand, if you look at the, the, the labor market, like if I would have a plumber available, I would love to hire him. So there is so much works which are absolutely understuffed, like plumbing, electricians, uh, and nobody's really going in this direction. Also, there are many uh, prejudices, like people think if you... Uh, for, for being an IT developer, you have to study a bachelor in IT and then we want to keep on telling them, no, if you're really well talented, you can do it online, you can visit a massive open online course. And even if you sit in the most remote area, as long as you have internet and you train yourself online, you can become also an IT uh, software developer. It's very interesting. So I, I, guess, um, I guess in the UK on vocational, people are sort of doing the opposite, which is sort of trying to say you don't have to be a plumber or a mechanic in terms of vocational you can do xyz but whereas actually uh, in nepal it's sort of saying well that is the you know diversifying into other job roles because at the moment it's still quite centered around the uh, sort of traditional job so i want to be a doctor or a yeah i think nepal society meant like a lab from being 100 percent farming society so if you look back in 1950s there has been no industry at all it has been just like the king and farmers and that's it and now there have been initiatives like you have to be educated, which is good, but they somehow overdid it. And now everybody seems to have to have a bachelor and a master. And uh, all the, the basic jobs which are simply required in a society are, are neglected. So uh, we don't try to push anybody in a direction, but we want to say if we just see from your profile, you're more uh, suitable for, for an electrician than for IT professional, then we try to recommend it to him. And the next person who comes who likes to rather work mentally, then we try to guide them in this direction. So we just want to be open for everything. And who are you looking to partner with? So for example, is it universities, is it schools, is it um, you know potential employers? We are looking for, for three things here. I think the first one is we want to get in touch with projects which are close to what we do. So other educational projects which help 
where we can integrate maybe parts of their source code in what we do or, or uh, chatbots which we could use for let's say online counseling of the students. So we look for partner projects which would fit well into our concept. Uh, we also looking for software developers. It's extremely hard to get the software developers in Nepal. The education system have elaborated a little bit and it's very theoretical so you have graduates in bachelor in IT who cannot even write a simple code line in SQL. Um, so we're searching also for, for software partners. We were hoping maybe some Indian or some Nepali colleagues would be here. Um, and the third thing is we're searching for investors because we have to do a big data collection to be able um, to provide our students with the information. This is data which cannot be crowdsourced because it's very specific and you have to have a look at it from the perspective of a counselor. So, um, and therefore we need some funding and that's the third thing we're searching for here. Okay, so those investors listening in, um, how can they get in contact with you as well? Um, well, we have uh, our website, which is www.careeredishonepal.org or sending me direct an email to inge, I-N-G-E, at careeredishonepal.org. So from your point of view, I don't know if you've had a chance to look around or chat to your colleagues here. Have there been any particular trends that you recognize in terms of education at Web Summit as well? So I, I feel on the one hand it's going a lot into the communication level, in, into using technology to go out yeah, um, or to be better connected. So, uh, I mean, obviously the whole bot systems, I had not time to go to the whole chats and bots, which seem to be very interesting, I think, for education to be more integrated. Um, and the other one is education as a learning experience, yeah? Uh, where I saw this great project yesterday, Beat, who have developed this website where you can create an outgoing experience or a, a tour for learning outside. So I think that's a little bit uh, an app. And you uh, tell the app, I'm like 14 years old and I want to learn more about history. And then educators would have put on wheel tour outside. So if you're in Kathmandu, it would tell you then go to Durba Square and from there to go to Bashupadinath and you would at any place learn a little bit about history. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> currently doing the summit walk of, I'm definitely late, there's loads of people, it's a high density of people and uh, it's all about being purposeful in your stride, so onwards. My name is Alette Bartmans. Okay, great. And where are you from? I'm from Amsterdam. Well, the name of my company is Thomas & Charles. And then we have a King Collective, and we um, are my company, but also practices, so a school, like the King School, um, and also uh, at tech parties. And what we're doing with the collective is, what we see is a change in the paradigm, and that there are several companies, but also schools, practices, initiatives, working on the, the changing paradigm. But it's not really the new status quo yet, right? So all of this, the, the cool stuff that we see in education, it's not in every school and it's not all over the world. Why is it not all over the world? So that's the big question that we were answering together. And um, our final conclusion was that we have a, uh, a problem with validation. So what we see is we cannot really validate the learning outside of school, so the traditional school, that's what I'm talking about. Because the, the Keen School, for instance, they are working on a very broad scheme of, of skills and competences and knowledge bases. And, and they're working very personal with the students, so they all have their own program, using their own uh, content and tools and selecting it themselves. And, but what we see is that it's very hard for schools like this, initiatives like this, to grow because parents feel like, ooh, but is there really learning going on? They, they all acknowledge that something different needs to happen. But it's very hard for parents to put their kids in a new sort of school because they feel, is it validated? Is it, is it okay what we're doing there? Are the kids really learning what they need to learn? And that's the same for governments. So that's also legal issues that you see then that the new paradigm schools and the new paradigm initiatives are not really in the legal so it range. It doesn't so fit in the infrastructure. It doesn't fit in the infrastructure yeah, that we have yeah, at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, this is why these initiatives are not starting enough, are not growing enough, are not taking over. Because you see that there's issues with the government, with parents, also maybe teachers who do not dare to, to 
work for these kind of schools because it's not validated enough. So what we're focusing on with the King Collective, and we're doing that from a tech perspective, but also from a support perspective, like my company that is basically a consultancy company, and practices. Uh, to find out together how to validate the new sorts of learning that we see. And it's, of course it's not new learning, we, we learned outside of school already, but we, we never thought about validating it. And now we really need to do so in order to change the status quo. And, and, and what's, what's difficult for me is that I don't even like the validation point in education, you know? It's so stupid and maybe over if, in, a, in a few years we don't even have to talk about validation anymore because there's so many sorts of data that we can prove otherwise but what I see now is that this is really why, why, why we're not getting further so we have to focus on it uh, although it's if we see five steps in the paradigm then it's my least favorite step yeah so um, in your description here as well so for the keen school part of things uh, the Airbnb for learning opportunities could you explain a little bit about what that means yes well what we see is that there's a wealth of learning opportunities online and also offline um, and then what I would like to see is a platform for students for every person in the world because I think everyone is a student um, that really guides helps us to guide through all of these options for learning and it really helps us to validate what we're learning and, and, and developing and that would be some sort of, of an Airbnb or a Spotify I don't know but it will tell you what your next step could be. So it will give you several options, but uh, it helps you to, to guide yourself through all, all the options. Because I think that there's amazing things out there, but how do you know at the right time what's for you? And what's for you means a certain level, but it also means a certain kind of learner. So we have to learn a lot from big data that we're gathering at the moment in order to fuel a platform like this. Because I started a platform like this, it was called Schooling, and it was three years ago, and we failed miserably. Because we do not have the, the necessary data yet and the necessary open uh, language or the, the yep. open standards in order to connect all of these platforms and to really tell students what their next steps are. So what we're doing now is we're doing this in practice. Yep. For instance, with the King School, we're finding out when do they use Khan Academy, when do they use Coursera, when do they use whatever platform there is. And from the data gathering that we do there, we're trying to build up layer by layer an online solution for this. Interesting. So for people listening in, so who are you looking to partner with in order to help achieve this? Yeah, well for us, well you can you can see on the on the website how we see the change in the paradigm. And all of the initiatives that are working on this, we need to be in contact with them because either if they're tech or support or key practices, it doesn't matter. We need to learn together about this validation issue, also to be able to build this Airbnb. Uh, so we need to have partners from all over the world that are working at the, at the paradigm shift as we see it, to together find out how to validate what we're doing and to shift the paradigm into a new status quo. And when will it launch, do you think? ASAP? No. Yeah. Um, uh, well, the gathering, of course, is we we started with that, and um, and in practice, we're doing a lot already. But I'm I'm hesitant to start building the new platform because I found out that we have to do research first. So what we also need is research partners to come up with the right open standards to build the platform because the technology is not the problem. If we if we start that. That's going to be the easy part. The, the part in, that, that we're looking at now is the validation and the, the data gathering. And if we crack that nut, then we can start. And, and who do you work with? So, uh, you know, back in the UK, we have people like the Education Endowment Fund, people like Nesta, people, you know, people looking to gather some measurable data on efficacy and impact, which sounds similar to what you're trying to achieve here. So who, who are you working with to do this validation? Well, uh, just uh, a month ago, I think, a new um, uh, center started at one of the universities in Amsterdam, and it's called the Amsterdam Center for Learning Analytics. And it's one of the newer centers that is looking not only at the learning analytics as we know it, but also gathering data and, and trying to see if there's learning analytics in there. 
So they are one of our crucial partners in the future because they have to see with us if we're really validating stuff. And what I like about them is that they're really critical at the, at the current paradigm because they say, we think we are measuring all kinds of stuff and we're, that's not true. So that's the first step. But we also need them in order to find out what is the way to go. And that's the research perspective. And fortunately, they are working with schools also in the US uh, uh, and the UK, uh, or schools, universities. So it's a worldwide thing. And um, uh, they are our partner on this. Uh. And you've got on your poster here, from standardized tests and diplomas to blockchain. So what does that mean? Well, that would be my ideal, that we can we can measure through um, not only tests, because it's not that I'm against tests, but I think that it would be very nice if we can get our data like we do now on LinkedIn on a low-key level, and that I can say something about someone else. But I think that if we if we can if we can do it like that, like in a blockchain, then so we the might find a whole new way of validating what people can do. And and. That's, that's one of the, the things that we're thinking about. It's very interesting because, yeah, perhaps it's not the uh, the number of reviews. It's it's huge. It's also who is validating it that has influence yeah. as well. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, you can see like the blockchain as we see it in finance. Then then I am reporting on a uh, on the money that I'm giving you that I'm receiving for you. But that could also be for knowledge, maybe. And then it's going to be very interesting or skills for that matter. So skills trading. And how can people get hold of you if they're interested to find out more or partner? Well, I just uh, fucked up the website. Oh, really? Oh, good job. Because of the internet here. So um, then it's going to be keencollective.org. Okay, keencollective.org. People can also register there to uh, be part of the collective. One final question. Who's a big influence for you? So how did you get to this point? Who's a big influence on how you think? I'm, I'm trying to say either my mom or Kim Robinson. That's great, right? Okay, maybe it my mom is a, a hybrid. Yeah, it's a hybrid. No, no. The first thing when I was in uh, in university and I was trying to decide what to what to write my thesis on, I was in organization studies, so it's not per se about education. Then I, I saw the video of Ken Robinson and I thought, oh shit, how are we going to organize that? So that was a that was the main thing that I that I that I focused my thesis on uh, on education, and then my mom she's in education, and um, um, she's happy for over 35 years to work in education. Although there's a lot of stuff going on that's really fucked up, but she really gets her energy from the kids, and she's constantly developing herself into the new age and working with apps and stuff like that. And in my talks with her, I'm constantly also getting to know more about. What is really, what is, what is education really about? Because I think that there's a lot of companies who do not talk to teachers often enough, and who just say, well, teachers are not innovative, or it's the problem that teachers do not want to do anything, and that's certainly not our problem. It is a problem that we're not giving them the right tools and maybe not the right training, but they really should talk more to teachers because there's a lot of beautiful stuff going on within the classroom and we do not know about it because my mom will certainly not go on Twitter. But we really have to have to ask them because the, the innovation is also there. And um, yeah, that's, that's my continuous uh, motivation. Yeah. A quick break for the next section of the podcast to bring you this message from Full Fabric. I met Tanya out at Web Summit at the EdTech Podcast pop-up drinks and Tanya set up Full Fabric after working in a university admissions department and getting increasingly frustrated at the lack of process involved in supporting and welcoming students. What's evolved many years later is a software solution that helps universities manage their prospects from initial inquiry all the way through to enrolment. Importantly, Full Fabric is modular and customizable, so it lets universities recruit, market to, and admit students using a single integrated platform. All data is hosted on the cloud and can be accessed anytime, anywhere, and on a range of devices. And because of a German university who are an early client, it's got all the robust security you'd expect in the form of data protection and compliance. If you work for a university admissions process team and fancy finding out more and setting up a free consultation, you can visit learn.fullfabric.com forward slash podcast. And now back on with the show. First up, what's your name? My name is Lotus Bautista. That's an awesome name. Thank you. Where are you from? I'm from London. Whereabouts? Interesting question. Wembley. Okay. Simplest answer. What brings you to Web Summit? Just interested to see what the tech startup scene was like across Europe. 
So how would you describe your startup then? Volo is our startup and we basically address the current skills gaps within undergraduate students, particularly focusing on soft skills by connecting them to skilled volunteering and then tracking the impact and the data that they create. So who are you aimed at primarily? Specifically students, most likely in their first degree, just coming out of school, maybe second year of university, really starting to think about where they want to take their future, what part they're going to play in kind of the, you know, the construction of the of the world. That's our aim. And so essentially as well, it's ever more competitive to get a job. So you also assist those students to kind of bolster their CV in the sense of having a meaningful work experience and that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's also this additional piece of actually making impact and having value. Um, I think that there's kind of a, we have a misconception that internships and formal work experience is what most people need. But if you are a 19, 20 year old going into a very big company, there's very little you can actually do because you are not qualified and you haven't been trained and you know, you're not skilled yet. It's difficult to do something actually impactful. Whereas if you go into a smaller organization that's a charity that really wants to learn from you and is very open to your suggestions, there's much more that you can, that you can create and much more like physical impact. You know, if we go by the STAR method of an interview, that result that you provide is actually significantly more useful than what you might do in an internship. How long has the startup been going? Just over a year. And who do you work with currently? So we currently work with eight university partners, primarily based in London, but uh, we're also working with Teesside up in the north and Southampton. We have an ambassador in Southampton in the south. Um, we also have 30 charity partners who we're sort of facilitating the connections for and a few other corporate partners. What edtech or education trends have you noticed at Web Summit? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting question. Um, I have noticed that our current education system is not prepared for where the workforce is moving. I mean, I've been to a lot of talks today about the future of work and... You know, there's been a lot of very interesting, scary and positive conversations about the fact that many people will lose their jobs. But as a result, we are creating more jobs, but they're much more focused around technology. And from my experience of being a teacher and now kind of transitioning into the startup world, I can see very clearly that we're not ready for it. So something has to change and it will be interesting to see how we respond to that, basically. How can people get hold of you? Um, so we are on Twitter, Volo for Change, Facebook, Volo Group. They can also email me, um, lotis at volo.org.uk. And who primarily would you like to hear from as well? So who, who kind of connects into what you do? Um, so we'd really like to hear from universities that kind of recognize that gap. I know that lots of universities already do. So anyone that's interested in working with us to kind of leverage the volunteering experience of their students, any employers that really want to put volunteering center stage, there's lots of very interesting research behind the importance of volunteering in the recruitment process, um, but also charities that need the support. We're very big. We, we really want to hear from charities that would like a student skill set to improve what they do. Um, mainly and obviously students themselves to use the platform and continue to develop it and grow. Uh, biggest influence? So if you think about, I don't know, whether it's a thinker or a book, uh, is there anyone that you'd like to shout out in terms of, you know, you've obviously made quite a, a journey uh, from teacher to your startup. Any Anyone that you go, oh, actually, when, when I heard that or when I read that, that was a turning point for me. So my influencer actually goes back to when I was 11 and it would be my old head teacher. A woman called Elizabeth Phillips, she was the head teacher of the school that I went to. She was like an Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> and I, love, I love her already. She I should mean, be the women in tech. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, she was absolutely amazing. She took the school that I went to from being a very, very underperforming school to now to one of the top performing schools in in london at the time i think one of the best in the uk Do you know, what was the school called st marylebone okay um and we continue to do well under the new head teacher but the ethos that she instilled in us was basically that being a woman was never going to be a barrier and we should never allow it to be a barrier so as a result kind of approach life with that mantra and then you've got things like your mum and all the other women around you who yeah just don't 
don't really deal with anything that's rubbish. Yeah, I, I, I hear the paraphrase. <laughs> yeah. um, awesome. Uh, what's the biggest problem with education currently? Oh, controversial question. Um, I'd say the biggest focus, which again is something that links to the trend that I see now, is the, the imbalanced focus towards academia and towards making students really good at essay writing and really good at sums, but not incredibly good at the things that actually make you a useful person to the world. So yes, every you know some organizations need people that are very analytical. Most organizations do and that can produce a good report. But beyond that report writing, your duties as an employee, as a leader, as a manager go far beyond. And I don't think that we're, we prepare students for that at all. I hear that over and over again as well. Um, what's the best other solution in or innovation or service on the market? Any any other education innovators that you think actually what they're doing is really purposeful? Honestly, no immediate answers come to mind, and that's not a bad thing. It's not saying that nothing is happening, but I think that if we're thinking ed tech, it is a relatively new space. Education is, I would say, one of the slowest industries to take up technology um, you know the biggest innovation in education in terms of technology was a smart board and that came out when I was at school so 20 years 20 just under 20 years ago and nothing really has moved on from then we obviously harness the internet and organizations like Tez do a great job to try and enable um, teachers to do their jobs better but is there anyone that really sticks out in my mind at the moment not really to be totally honest but I think that I'm hoping that that will change. And uh, best thing you've seen here so far? Oh man, so much. Okay, um, I saw a talk which was really, um, most of the talks I've seen today about the future of the workforce. Um, I can't remember his first name, but a gentleman with the surname McAfee who wrote a very influential book about um, the kind of the rise of the second machine. Yeah. Um, and he was just kind of going over my thought process and <laughs> sharing how over the last 2,000 years human history has changed massively and again just going back to that theme of what are we doing to change it and how are we going to respond to it. I think also the talk on ethics and technology was very very interesting especially coming from the education background there is a, sometimes a clash between what education wants and what business sees and it's usually ethically based. So what we think is ethically the right thing to do for our students is not necessarily what businesses want us to do. So, yeah, it's very interesting. I, I see a huge butting of heads between investors and scale and uh, teachers and malleability of product. Yeah, and um, you know, it'd be interesting to see who that how that plays out and whether there's any kind of compromise that can work between both. I think Ronaldinho's just got a massive yeah. round of applause. He will Hold pass on. me earlier. Yeah, knows. he's obviously starstruck. So. <laughs> Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was here yesterday. He was pretty interesting. Okay, cool. Had a lot to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say another kind of thing that's very obvious to me from being at this conference is there is a huge chasm between education and business, both in the languages that we speak, the terminology that we use, our understanding of what people need, and it needs to be addressed. I would be very interested to see how that's going to happen, and hopefully we can start to address that conversation. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think teachers are really good uh, bullshit detectors. So they, they, you know, you know, they're, they're just able to cut through what's uh, to what's important. And um, I mean, just off the top of my head, I wonder whether you know a lot of the language that's used here. It's almost like how can we seduce investors? So like, how can we make this sound as you know, sexy as possible, so the money just comes spilling in. Whereas yeah. with teachers, you almost need to do the reverse. So it's like, how do we make this sound as, as functional and, you know, clear as possible? So yeah, the language is totally different. It's so, it's so interesting and I would love, you know, I would really love us to be kind of at the forefront of starting to close that gap. But it's very obvious, even in the conversations that I have with my business partner, who is from a business background, and I'm obviously from an education background. Sometimes we, we fund, like I cannot see her position and she cannot see mine until it's well explained. 
Um, and I think that really perfectly demonstrates just that gap. We're very, and it's great that we work together because it means that we can really, on a very micro scale between us, understand what the gaps are and hopefully try to address them. Absolutely. Maybe we need a, you know, kind of um, a forum of you and a forum of people like your business partner, just to just to kind of act as translators between both. Hopefully, oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> awesome. So everyone's got your Twitter handle. Um, thank you very much. Thanks, and what are you going to do this evening? I am going to go to a cultural crawl, which is about technology as a force for good. Ah, okay, mm. cool. Back to the SEC. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. See yeah. you tomorrow. Thank you so much. So, yeah, I was going to ask you, Rosita, talk to me a little bit about how on earth you cope with all of this data. How do you gather it? How do you deal with it? How do you archive it? I mean, it's, cause it's almost endless. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Ekaterina Matviyeva, but in English it's Kate. Welcome to EdTech Podcast. Where are you from? from Moscow, Warsaw, yeah, it's, it's, it's all a mix. I would say born in Moscow, but still citizen of the world. What brings you to Web Summit? Well, uh, it happened quite interesting because um, I have a friend uh, who founded Unus Learning. It's another company based in London. And about half a year ago, uh, we agreed that it would be possible to join them, like that I could go and as well help them with the Expo. Nobody expected this year that we would actually, as a Malingua, get to this top 200 to pitch. Well, they, they, they didn't get through. So, yeah, so eventually I came here and so, yeah, pitched. Okay, yeah. amazing. So, so take me back. So what, what was that particular pitch event, the first one? Um, so the, today there were two events, right? So the first event as well, uh, quite impromptu. I just, well, I just dropped by uh, Sberbank, because Sberbank is actually it's a Russian bank. And then they threw a competition with MasterCard. They just invited me. <laughs> it's like, okay. And like, it was just one hour before the, the main pitching. And the pitching again is always for, you know, investments and seed mm-hmm. investment. Going back to your startup, so yeah. what educational problem do you solve? Do you speak, you know, any language, any foreign language? I'm, I'm a true Brit in the, oh, in yeah, the sense that Brit. I yeah. have pretty much, uh, yeah, only pigeon of, of many. <laughs> Definitely. You're going to talk in a posh, you know, posh accent and then you're going to Cockney. Who knows? You yes. know, like you can switch. Anyways, so it typically takes someone around two, three years, sometimes four and like £3,000 to learn a foreign language. It's a lot. Well, we are saying, okay, guys, um, you can actually go fast track three, six months and spend double less, so 1,500. Same time, we also know that Duolingo, you know, different types of, well, apps, uh, don't have this retention, you know, rates. Like, lots of people drop out, like Rosetta Stone, 54%. They drop out after four weeks of their studies, right? They spend money and they forget. What we're doing, we're engaging, like, continuously with people like during 12 weeks of their studies so they don't drop out we have like have just two percent drop out which is amazing because it's again it's life connection it's emotional connection because um so you will ditch notification from an app but you won't ditch your life lesson what's the company called amolingua amolingua it's okay. a latin name yeah it means i love language and so is it an app or is what's the platform so yeah so we will we are building a platform and same time we have an app uh, and an app um, goes as a component. It's a video app that records your progress. What does it mean? That uh, between lessons, apart from communication, you also have tasks with deadlines. Like, hello, Sophie, you have 24 hours. Please complete the task. <laughs> yeah, and so they're videos or audios or grammar. So when you have to express your opinion or you have to retell the story, so you can uh, write it or you can record it with a video. It goes to your profile. Okay. And then we can comment as a team of tutors on your yeah, mistakes. Yeah. And then you have all these videos as a timeline from week one to week 12. So actually, it's tangible to see your progress, right? Because quite often people like, they just tested, you know, like grammar, and you don't know actually how far you are in your proficiency in the like, speaking skill. And how long has the startup been going for? Okay. <laughs> so um, I'm a linguist myself, so I've been like teaching for almost nine years from my first, you know, like bachelor year. Then uh, we started testing in 2015, still as a Europe online. It was my blog, it was okay. starting from there. 
and we actually had no idea how we, you know, he would like roll it out. But then, after one year, again, different competitions, more and more people, you know, clients, students, we proved the idea, the concept, and then in March 2016, we found it properly Amulingua. Mm-hmm. Like already, it was a new name, and in Edinburgh, because we were there in Accelerator. And then, yeah. What, what accelerator okay. were you in? <laughs> yeah, so um, it's interesting. It's called Acorns, you know, Acorns, like, yeah, to Oaks. Yeah. Yeah, and um, first I was in London, there was a challenge, uh, UK Vasti Startup Challenge in London for the whole summer 2015. It was really exhausting, but I learned as well a lot. And then, yeah, like, we got approved by the Accelerator in Edinburgh because I used to study in St. Andrews. As an alumna as well of you know yeah, Scottish University yeah and yeah. so yeah I just I just went back yeah to Scotland as well and yeah. so you're in you're in Scotland now as the yeah. company as well yeah yeah okay and then who's it aimed at primarily any particular age bracket or user yeah. type it's quite interesting as well because uh, I realise that um, we can have different marketing personas different people so for example now lots of businessmen who are trying to expand their business or move in you know to different countries like experts then this urgent need of learning languages but not just languages they also need to understand another culture yeah yeah so it's like it's a huge problem now like how to as well like how to come back uh, to your country and not to be a foreigner how to go there and like hit it all from you know day one so we provide it then uh, we're talking about young professionals like of uh, you know, professionals of these big consultancy firms are also relocated. Mm-hmm. Again, we now as well target in B two B, offering young professionals. Okay, this year. so and going into sort of workplace learning or training. HR, well, yeah, 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 exactly. exactly, yeah. But still, it's it's mostly it's one to one. Yeah, yeah, it's online. It can be as well up to six people. Okay. Now, interesting trend like um, let's say um, a young guy, you know, student starts, then. Uh, his mother, his father, or sister, and then their friends, their neighbors, and it's like, you know, it's like just spreading around. And then, yeah, definitely students, like, bec- why? Because they are looking for internships, like abroad, right? Or like more, you know, career opportunities, so they come to us and they say, okay, we need this, like, by summer. Okay, yeah, it's springtime, so you, ha- you have three months. Yeah, let's do it. It's interesting because, um, you know, there are a few coder boot camps out there mm-hmm. which are definitely all about, like, you know, learn coding in three months and make mm-hmm. yourself more employable. So, you're, yep. I suppose yours is the same model but for languages. Um, how many tutors do you have on your network? Yeah, so we have a particular, well, particular network of tutors. Currently, we've trained 65 and we are now as well training, like, around 15, so it's, like, around 80. And the aim is to get this year Golden 100, as okay. I call them. Why so? Because we have this hierarchy and system starting from support and tutor, then going to lead in one, team leader, and then going like to country manager basically. They are associates, right? So they are not like a marketplace where they're offering their uh, you know, uh, services. They're actually formed into teams for a particular language where they can provide yeah, their knowledge or you know, skills. Yeah. Okay. And then how many languages as well? 22. 22, wow. And okay. like each tutor is also like uh, speaks three, four languages. Yeah. Lived in another country, you know, and has some teaching experience and then trained with the methodology, yeah. And so on your, um, I guess, your Web Summit profile, so I mentioned an awards. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about that and who provided it and that kind of thing? All right. So um, last year, exactly a year ago, there was a Global Entrepreneurship Week. And to our surprise, as we were still testing, it wasn't a proper project, uh, we got selected among top 50 startups and then among top 20 by CNBC. Okay. This is shocking. So is that media, media, the media outfit? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. And it was like uh, there were over 800 applicants. Wow. So around the world, I didn't expect it. And I just remember it was late evening, Friday, 19th of November. I looked so shocked. I didn't know what to do. I just put on my trainers and went running around meadows. <laughs> yeah, people were like, well, are you crazy? Yes, I am. Because yeah, you don't know like what to do with this. And then it actually was catalyzing because on the very next day, on Saturday, we had lots of applications. You know, people wanted you know, to have a trial. There were like over 100 the first day and nothing was automated. So we had to fill it in, you know. Oh, like, really? yeah, it was crazy. But then, yeah, we sold this with just, just it. And then on Sunday, Monday, just better. 
yeah, because it's still there with the flow. Are you looking to connect with schools directly or is it more a kind of one-to-one I would say we are now, yeah, we are looking, we're investigating, we're talking because um, definitely there's some synergy that uh, schools are lacking this proper, let's say, intensive, yeah, different, you know, uh, training. Um, however, still we need, you know, to see how it works because we've tested it, yeah, we've tested it with companies as well now we're talking to universities like in Latin America for example colleges yeah. yeah so perhaps you know we'll start from there and um, so we're here at Web Summit uh, and I've literally just pinched you straight off of the uh, pitch so you've had two pitches today so um, can you tell us a little bit a first of all like why you're looking for investment and then also what the experience was like uh, pitching for investors here the first page actually uh, was quite impromptu. It was uh, Sberbank. Sberbank is like Russian bank, and they organized a pitch uh, supported by Mastercard. If I'm not mistaken, ten thousand dollars of like this. So a pitch there. I liked it. <laughs> Connected with people. Rehearsed. Went to another stage. <laughs> Sorry. It's this is uh, because you've been <laughs> so intense on the pitching. <laughs> It's the glamorous life of a startup. Oh yeah, and same time just you know checking as well on like <laughs> or workflow. Indeed. So yes, yeah, so I head there, and I went to another stage, and there it went brilliant. I, I like to be honest, like I was uh, as usual, I was a bit nervous, but one one of the judges asked me, "What's your secret? Why are you so passionate? Like, wh- how do you find this? You know, the key to your passion?" Is it? I just love languages. I love languages. I love cult- cultures, communication, and I just want to spread it around the world. I just want to kind of, you know, to make it even more contagious. And yeah, it seems like you know something happens. Some, some you know some chemistry happened there. Okay. Like, yeah, in the room. So let's see how it goes. Uh, Any business cards swapped? Oh, there are a lot. You know, now with all this app website. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's good. Yeah. And and what's the investment for that you're looking for? Exactly. So uh, we are at the stage when uh, we have clients, we have revenue, but we want to scale, right? And so definitely we need money to hire people, also to invest into the platform, more developers, and then marketing, right? So we have pr- proven, you know, results. Let's say, you know, that we invest in marketing, but still we would like to go to a more global stage. So that's the main, you know, reason why we're looking for some money. Yeah. Okay, amazing. And um, so if people are listening, how can they get hold of you as well? Uh, well, uh, they can check my TED talk, TEDx talk about la language alter ego. Uh, it's like a spin-off, actually, like I'm a linguist, basically a spin-off of my dissertation. Um, then they can actually find as well a book, Language Alter Ego, talking about this um, next level of communication when you already speak a language, but still you need to get grasp of another culture. And yeah. are you on Twitter at all? Yes, of yeah. course. So Twitter, uh, you can find us Amalingua. Sounds good. And then just very quickly, so um, how were you at Web Summit yesterday? Yeah. I don't know if you've had time, but are there any other education trends or ed tech trends that you've noticed here? Uh, well, I would say that corporate learning is quite, you know, quite narrow, well, taking, you know, it's been so, um, uh, this like, Eunice learning, yeah, so there as well, guys are taking, you know, their businesses next stage because they're educating uh, corporates and they're going as well, participating in trends. So they're revolutionizing uh, corporate learning, yep, corporate yep. training. And I think it's fascinating. And at some point, I think we will come as well to the stage. I'm just looking at them. Yeah, it's no, I'm waiting for the ed tech or the education yeah. stage to, to yeah. appear at Web Summit. It's, I think for the last couple of years, I've been surprised it hasn't popped up yet. But yeah. I feel that it's imminent anyway. So, mm-hmm. well, fantastic to meet you. And uh, good luck with everything. And are you sticking around for the rest of the week? or? Yeah, I'll be here. Okay, yes, excellent. Yeah. And congratulations because you picked up your... What was it last week? Oh, yeah, like uh, one of my diplomas, like multiple diplomas, yeah, that I graduated from Spanish University four years ago, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations on that and uh, have a fantastic rest of your week. Thank you so much. No problem. Hi, my name is Philip and uh, we are from Brightbook. This Pedro, my partner. Hi. Hi there. Thank you so much for your invitation, Sophie. 
it's a pleasure to be here. We're going to go rapid fire. First off, what's your name? Philip. And Philip Lopez. Philip Lopez. And yes. where are you from? Well, I'm from Portugal and uh, from the north of Portugal, the third largest city in Portugal, Braga. It's uh, known as the Silicon Valley of Europe oh, because there are a lot of software uh, companies in there and they, they produce really good software engineers. Oh, okay, and uh, what do you think about Web Summit moving to Lisbon? Well, it's awesome for us. It's uh, really a great opportunity. So it's super close, and uh, Lisbon is a marvelous place. Yes, and it's cool. awesome that it comes here. And did you see the announcement? I think it was two days ago about the Portuguese government putting a lot of money into making Lisbon an attractive place for startups. And yes, yes, yeah. and uh, we're quite uh, enthusiastic about those those kind of announcements because it's what economy is needing. And are there any other things the government could do to make it even more attractive? For example, what do you think about like the, you know, is there a lot of bureaucracy or is it quite easy to run a startup here? Well, I think we're, we're getting there. Uh, I would say that two or three years ago it was much more difficult and there was a lot of bureaucracy to, to put things rolling. But now it's getting easier and easier. Okay, that's good. So what brings you to Web Summit? Well, first of all, we, we had a vision to try to change the way education flows. And, uh, and to do that, you, you have to establish partnerships. And uh, so that's what brought us here, to try to establish partnerships, to, to make some important contacts, and try to boost it to, to, to the world, because everyone deserves to have this... Uh, this, this opportunity that we're trying to create for, for everyone. And the name of your company is? Well, it's Be Bright Book. It's like uh, we want you to be bright because, as you can see, for instance, in, uh, let us say, Got Talent, everyone has got talent. So uh, everyone is bright. Everyone has that capacity. Sometimes they just lack the tools to do it and that's what we did we tried to build an universal tool for everyone with no special skills as long as they have uh, well really a valid knowledge that is valid for someone it doesn't need to be really valid for a lot of people because if it's valid for five or ten people you just can put it there on our platform you can build it easily and you can and you can create value to your content and how long has it been running for and also what's to describe it so who's it aimed at and and you know what is it in a nutshell uh, actually it's going to be launched uh this okay. december okay. next month that's when we're going to be launching it and it's uh we built it to really change education so it's for anyone even kids can do bright books and spread them all over because all of us we know examples of kids that uh, kept very good notes for instance from from school classes and we i think we all studied by those notes there was always two or three people that were amazing doing notes now they can publish them and they can even earn some money ah, from that. So the, the basic premise is going back to school days when you're like, can I copy your homework? Yeah, that's... <laughs> that's, that's a bit extreme. <laughs> no, but the, but the premise is uh, those people would take amazing notes, yeah. uh, you know, when they're revising or when they're learning, is they can share those... Yes, not only that, but yeah. and they can share those notes and now they can enhance them yeah. with multimedia content of any kind. You, you can okay. put sound in there, you can... You can put, you, you can put, create movies to better explain what you want to explain. You can do a lot of things. You can even, it's not meant only for that. You can even, if you're an artist, for instance, you're a musician, well, you get a lot of trouble to get your albums published nowadays. You can publish your album in, in our platform mm -hmm. and enrich your musical album with, uh, with movies contents, with, uh, with, let us say, imagine you are a fado singer mm -hmm. here in Portugal, and you have, but you're you're not that well renowned fado singer. Well, you can take some pictures and some videos from Lisbon 
and you can you, you just can sell or show to the world your songs and the way you sing. So you can publish your musical album in like 30 minutes if, if you have the the content. You you can create it well amazingly well. And tell me a little bit about your background. So you were saying you, you were for, formerly a teacher, or you are I teach at a, an institute, a BDI institute. It's one of the biggest biotechnology institutes in Europe, uh, which is based in Spain. And uh, so I'm really involved in education. I love education. I, I love to learn and, and to try to teach. And our vision, Pedro and I, started this dream by really, we have kids. Mm-hmm. And they, they have to go to school. They have like a bag with 10 kilos every day. And, and take it to, to school with a lot of regular books. We love books, we love reading. I mean, yeah, and, but we, we don't see any sense in that because uh, of course regular books are, are really needed. But today, let us say, we have so much more than that. That's, we couldn't just believe that kids can have other kind of books with all the multimedia tools that you have it's impossible and you were saying that you listened to the textbooks versus technology and someone on the panel you know you felt that you shared a similar vision to them yeah yeah but i remember what he said because he said this is just like a revolution Mm -hmm. and the difficulty is really for a regular person to have the tools to do it in a very very simple way and now you have it that's what we created it's it's really you know it's really simple anyone you don't have to have any kind of special skills to to do it you just drag and drop your content yeah. and you can just display it in a very very professional way and so it's super nice so um, final question what trends have you seen on the education space uh, at Web Summit is there anything that you've come across in terms of ed tech or any speeches or are you meeting any other people here that well we're meeting some some other people that uh, share our vision we saw a, a company that had a really a nice tool has developed a very simple tool for kids from from one to seven to choose their contents in a very, very smart way on a smart TV okay. and with, with just a box. So uh, it, it, was, it was nice because kids are always stealing from us our iPads, our iPhones and everything. So, so it's, true. yeah. It happened to me just this morning. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Sophie. All right, thank you. Uh, thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. So what's your name? Hi, I'm Laura. And what's your second name? Lonestein. Okay, and where are you from? Um, I'm from Italy, but I've uh, come here from Australia, from Wollongong. Okay, you have a very British accent. Why is that? My mum is English. Okay, there we go. <laughs> and what's your company name and what does it do? Um, so our company's name is Lime Rocket, and Lime Rocket creates interactive games for live audiences. So we basically open up um, a games experience to many people playing contemporarily on one shared screen. Why I wanted to speak as well is uh, I'm interested in how the gaming and educational space are intersecting, I suppose. So from your perspective and your various partnerships and initiatives, what does gaming have to offer in the educational space? Um, I think it's a really interesting time for games and education to intersect. Uh, I think they can really work wonders in terms of student engagement. Um, universities and schools are just uh, continuously re- you know, looking for new ways to, to bring in students and to educate them about the possibilities during their, um, their study and what, what can follow. Um, so we've tried to explore this sector and we've been in three universities so far in the University of Wollongong and the University of Tasmania and Amsterdam University College in Europe and what we've done is sort of create these interactive games to educate students um, about what's going on in the university so for example we were just in Amsterdam at the introduction week event Um, so there was a big screen running a trivia about 
which universities um, the new students could potentially go and study abroad in or what the knowledge of the tutors was in that case and you know all sorts of other things introducing them to the city um, introducing them to their, their life as a student and it's, it's just a really low friction way for them to be able to interact all they need to do is go to an assigned website on their phone and the phone becomes a controller and then they're automatically playing live on a screen with, with many other people and I think it's it, it does reach people and it does reach students and that's the thing you know everybody's already got a device on them these days mm-hmm. we're seeing everything from uh, kindergartens and middle schools and high schools that have um, you know a given tablets already by the time they're six you've got Google Classroom we went to some um, elementary schools in Australia shout out to Thoreau Public School and they've already got all the devices there so why not use them and make gaming truly social and think the educational sphere is a really good place to start with it Oh, if you want to connect with us, go to Buzzy TV Games on YouTube. We've got a lot of great videos on there. Um, otherwise, it's at Buzzy TV. And yeah, look us up. Okay, fantastic. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That's all in this episode, folks. Don't forget to go and listen to the other Web Summit episodes featuring the British Museum and MIT. Next week, a Christmas Day special featuring some of the best speakers from BET. Keep up with all the weekly news and shares at Podcast EdTech and on the Facebook page and have a great week.